How's it going, everybody? Ryan here from the Break the Business podcast. Got a couple fantastic interviews for you guys to enjoy this week. I went deep, 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 deep into the archives to find these. I wanted to go way back because I feel like last week's episodes were a little more recent, so I wanted to go back to kind of the early days of the podcast and dig up a couple of my favorite interviews. The first one that you're going to hear is from episode 61 by the Swamp Folk Band, The Crickets. This is probably one of my most enjoyed interviews that we've ever done in terms of just how hilarious it was and how much I enjoyed doing it and how engaging the guests were. Like You're going to laugh your butt off during this interview. These ladies were awesome. Uh, We caught them right after they had just won an award, the morning after they won an award, and uh, they might have enjoyed their alcohol a little bit, which made the (laughs) interview all the more entertaining, but they gave some great advice along the way about how to work with a band effectively, and Dave is in the interview too, so for the Dave fans of the podcast, you're going to enjoy this interview because he's in on it and asking some great questions along the way. So after you hear from the Crickets, you're going to hear from our episode 86 guest, Shawnee Kilgore. I loved this interview. Great singer-songwriter. She was actually named the number one songwriter of distinction by Texas Music Magazine. During the interview, she talks a lot about hypercreation, one of the most important subjects that we talk about in this podcast. The notion that the way to succeed in the new music industry is you have to create, 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 create. Your fans have an insatiable desire for content. You can never give them too much. And so Shawnee Kilgore talks about this notion of hypercreation, and she tells amazing stories about how she was able to collaborate with famed director Joss Whedon. They made an album together. And for any Josh Whedon fans, you're going to enjoy the stories that come from this. So that's Shawnee Kilgore. She's going to be the second interview. So the Crickets and then Shawnee Kilgore coming up on this week's episode of the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. Our guest this week recently released their debut album, Spanish Moss Sirens, which includes the song Cool Cool Water, which just yesterday won Folk Song of the Year at the 15th Annual Independent Music Awards. You can find out more about them by visiting thecrickets.com. That's crickets with a K. Ladies and gentlemen, Lauren Spring, Melissa Bowman, Emily Stuckey, and Katrina Cobb, the Crickets, are on the Break the Business Podcast. How are you, ladies? We're so happy. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing great. We're happy to hear from you. We are very happy to have you guys. An award-winning band. Award-winning band, The Crickets. By the way, that's how you have to introduce yourselves and have others introduce you now going forward. I didn't know if you knew that. But you're now award-winning band, The Crickets. When we woke up this morning, Lauren said, good morning, winners. (laughs) All right. You got to be honest with us. All right. This is the night after a big award win. Uh, Scale of 1 to 10, how hungover is the band right now? Hung over, well, or drunk, or just or still drunk. That oh could, yeah, still concurrently drinking. Yes, yeah. that's that's the best way to kick a hangover, Dave. Is just never stop being drunk. That's right. <laughs> Public service announcement. Yeah. We here down in Miami know about that too. <laughs> well, it, it's a thrill. Um, how cool is it for you guys? What must what does this feel like right now to be award winner winners on your first album? What's give us give us how you're feeling right now. Oh gosh. Um, well, it's like a dream come true. It's everything we've dreamed. Um, so it feels, it feels pretty fantastic. We're kind of all on cloud nine right now. Um, it's still kind of sinking in. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, so actually, so do they give you one award for the band? Are there four awards? I mean, are you guys going to have to like have a time sharing program with the award? So the last award that we won, like, they give us a trophy, but you can order more trophies. Oh. So, so we ordered more so we can all have a trophy. 
So but, how did the award process work? How did you find out you were nominated? Like, what did you have to do once you were nominated? Was there like a, was there like a press junket for your consideration campaign? <laughs> That's a long no, 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 you just like, just one day you woke up, you were nominated and then you won and that was it. No, we, we found out we were nominated um, through, well, through yeah, the, the um, you know, there's the, there's a website uh, that submits indie artist music to different venues and different musical songwriting contests and all that kind of thing called Sonic Bids. I'm sure y'all are familiar with Sonic Bids. But of but, course. But they, they had the Independent Music Awards as, you know, they, it kept popping up in my um, little advertisement space whenever I checked my email. I was like, fine. So I went ahead and submitted because, you know, I don't I don't want to feel like I'm not giving the band an opportunity to be recognized if, if there's one out there for independent music. So really, you're taking all the credit for this. That's what I'm hearing. Every bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, except I love- for the fact that I didn't write the song, <laughs> nor, nor, um, nor did I sing it uh, like Emily. Can. But she did. But, but we all made it come to life. Like it wouldn't be what it is without. Without, the without Lauren, without the queen of the crickets. Yeah. <laughs> really, really, you know, like, for, it's too confusing for the band to have everybody submitting to, you know, to these different things or, or work, work contacting the different podcasts yeah. or working with the radio stations is so confusing. Oh, no. And we don't want to, we don't want to accidentally contact someone twice or miss somebody. So we've kind of, I kind of handle some of that stuff. But the truth is the, the, um, once we once we've submitted to all these things, this was months ago. I mean, this was way back, like right after the album release in May. That um, I went ahead and just submitted to whatever looked like uh, a good idea uh, months ago, and now a lot of them are finally starting to come into um, the award shows are happening and the the awards are being handed out. So it's been it's been ridiculous because just a couple of weeks ago we um, we found out we won. Folk Artist of the Year with the IMEAs, which is the International Music and Entertainers Association, which also recognizes independent music. Outstanding. And, but we were the jerks who didn't show to collect the award. We didn't oh. even show. <laughs> oh, you big time them? We you big time them? Man. We, we, were, we had gigs, and we were playing all day that day at an Oktoberfest, and, and our PR agent, Ariel, told us in no uncertain terms like uh you don't miss the next one if y'all win you need to be there you need a press picture at the step and repeat and you need you need to be have some kind of you know presence at these things that are recognizing your music so um i loved the comment that somebody um posted when we on facebook when we posted that award it said they called your names but all we heard were, were crickets oh, oh. <laughs> damn I, I see what they did there right <laughs> that was funny that was funny yeah we so we decided we really need to be here for this one and emily i mean we we were nominated in three categories yeah. one for all uh, alternative country, best alternative country album, one for best concept album, and then also the one that we did end up winning, which was uh, folk slash singer songwriter song of the year, and um, for cool cool water, which we're just so proud because Emily Emily that song is beautiful and it's um, it deserves it. It deserves to be recognized. We're proud of her song. I'm pretty proud too, but but a lot of it too is like Lauren has a sixth sense for like what to enter and kind of like what not to enter, and she listens to a lot of podcasts, um, and that's really helped us like pretty much in a ma- in a major major way. If she hadn't hadn't have done that for as long as she has, we probably I mean we probably wouldn't have you know none of this would have happened. Okay, so they're trying to tell you I'm a geek and it's real. Yeah. All right, so on the business card, we're going to have Lauren, Queen of the Crickets Spring. Got That's that. Right, we'll have yeah. that all set, set up. <laughs> Do you need us to spell it? Queen is <laughs> Yeah, with, with the K, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, by the way, Ryan, I'm not sure yeah. if, you, if, you, if you were noticing and paying attention. We originally thought, okay, they won this award. Within this interview, we've learned they've won an award beforehand and have just won another award, too, the IMEAs. Yeah. This, they're just stacking up as we're like, going. They've actually won two more awards during this interview. Pretty soon, you know. a Grammy is going to be coming down the pike in a Juno, too, just for good measure. A Juno. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, can, actually, the Canadians oh, love their swamp folk. Oh, yeah. 
Let's say winners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have permanent sashes on. <laughs> we, sashes. we got tattoos in our butts. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even need to be here, Dave. We should just let them talk for about 20 minutes. And yeah, just call broadcast that an interview. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would be remiss in, in, uh, in not taking advantage of having you guys here and giving, having you give some advice to some of the listeners out there. Uh, you guys work in a band. You seem to get along really well together. Perhaps that's mimosa-fueled, but... Um, do you have any tips out there for the artists who uh, are listening, who are in bands, to 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 work effectively in a band? Um, you know, to, how do you get over challenges as a band member? As band members, how do you work well together? You're Mo- pointing at me to take this one. Okay. Mimosas, got it. I'll never forgive you for that. <laughs> uh, I hate you. We, well, it's interesting that we're four women. Four very attractive women, since you can't see us. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, so you would think that it would constantly be cat fights all the time, and it would be super diva-ish. We're saying nothing. I, I mean, we're just letting you know, we have two GQ Men of the Year over here. We just take our name out of consideration, just to let the other guys feel good. <laughs> so, well... <laughs> Actually, we, we all got into a, a fight yesterday before we left. To really? Come yeah. It was all Emily. Uh, of course yeah. it was. Emily's such a troublemaker. It was all me, actually. I was the instigator. She, she's sleep deprived because she has a four month old child. And we all, I mean, you, you just have to give her a break when you're overtired. I mean, fatigue is used as a torture device in wartime. Like, we, we get it. And we're just, we're just having to roll with it sometimes. <laughs> no, I, I titty babied out. Uh, <laughs> actually, on, on stage. Uh, at the end of our show, and then and then cried about it. Oh, <laughs> I don't do. I'm not a crier. She's not ever. But, but so so the answer to your question <laughs> is we don't really know how to get along. <laughs> Communication we keep, we keep really helps. Us. If if you if you shove all of your emotions deep down inside, <laughs> that helps a lot. If you just never <laughs> talk about things. Uh-huh. Okay, for for That's advice true. for. For musicians who are, you know, you're in a band. They're four very creative people with very different ideas. And thank God for them all. Everybody's got their own strengths and their own weaknesses. But I think I think the the glue that holds it all together is just it's an if we didn't love the music like we love making the music. The music is so special and it's so it's and this is cheesy, but it's so joy-filled when we're doing that. That, you know, you, you get to the nitpicky stuff or the, the stuff that's annoying or the stuff that, that pisses everybody off. And it's, it's, the truth is, it's like it is it pales in comparison to the high you get when you're playing. So mm. to me, know, knowing that the music is based, we, we do love each other, bottom line. We love each other. People are going to show their ass sometimes. But, you know, it's about it's about sticking around and forgiving and, and working past it. Knowing the music is the most important thing right. at all times. Um, and we love each other. And we do love each other. Severely. So it's a family kind of. Yeah. Not, it really if, you, if you love someone, they're going to hurt you and you <laughs> get past it. There yeah. you go. It's funny you mentioned like the joy of it all, because I, I'll tell you, I bought your album last night on iTunes after like hearing it on some of the samples on your website. I'm like, OK, I got to have this. And I, when I was listening to the whole album, I thought this is this was really making me happy. Like I don't know why, but it was just very light and just. And this funny, I'm a heavy metal guy. That's my bread and butter. That's my genre of choice. The faster and harder, the better. But man, oh man, your stuff was just. I, I don't know. It was just soothing and beautiful and nice. And like you said, I you can tell that the creative process behind it must be you know, have that emotions going in, has that love, has that joy, has that happiness, because as the listener, that's what I was experiencing. Well, speaking of that recording process, so you recorded Spanish Moss Sirens at Sundrop Studios in uh, Alabama, an iconic studio. So this was a a significant undertaking. You you know, you must have put a lot of resources into this. Uh, And, you know, when you're in an environment like that, you got to do a lot of things right to make sure that the product on the other end is solid. Uh, Can you give any tips on ensuring that an artist 
can have a strong and effective recording process and experience when working in a major studio? What? Well, it was it was our first time to record in a studio, so we really didn't know what to expect. So we we googled like, "What do you do when you go to a recording studio?" <laughs> Might as well. That makes sense. Okay. Um, and so we 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 just really had no idea what to expect. So, but we we wanted to make sure that we had as much of it done and ready beforehand so that um, the producers could make a really good product, super good, instead of it just being like an idea and okay, and then the final product ends up being good. You know what I mean? You you wanted it to be, you wanted them to give them something pretty concrete to work with. That that makes sense. Studio time is expensive. You want to make sure that you got everything put together and not use the studio as essentially a rehearsal room. Yeah. Yeah, and this producer, I mean, he was leaving to go to, I don't remember where he was going. I feel like he was on his way to Japan or something. He's in the Alabama Shakes. He's the keyboardist for the Alabama Shakes. So he did, it's, he only takes on two projects a year, if that. And we knew we only had him for max eight to ten days, and that was it. So we either had to get ourselves together and have, you know, when we when we came to him, we had really strong ideas. We practiced and practiced and practiced the songs. And um and really hated them almost. Yeah, almost hated them. And th- but but then you know you at least you have somewhere very concrete. You have a very concrete line to start at. And then he he was really cool because he did not he was very adamant about us keeping our sound. He did not want us to lose. You know, none of us are session musicians. He didn't, but he loved that part of it. He was like, no, I love that it's an, an earthy, organic sound, a.k.a. you make a lot of mistakes, but it's kind of charming, you know, because you're just, your girls playing your own instruments. And um, and he wanted us to keep the thing we have when we sing and play live together. So a lot of that stuff was recorded live. Um and it was it was wonderful. He he just knew what he was doing. He knew when to make us push, and he knew when when it was time to call it a day. And he he's good enough because he worked for Rick Hall over at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals, which is one of the most famous recording studios in the world, putting out all that awesome soul music from that area. He worked for Rick Hall for ten years, so he he's not just a guy doing this as a side hustle. This was he's an unbelievable producer, and um. And I just—he's produced a lot of stuff, but I'd never heard his name before I started researching it. Um, but he just—he ended up being such a gift. Ben Tanner is his name. He was awesome. We had eight to ten days in yeah. the studio, and people said to us like, "Oh, wow, that's a long time to record an album." But honestly, I felt like we could have recorded a lot longer and still like had more to do. Yeah. So being as prepared as possible is. So important because there's there's so much to do and it and to make it perfect you do want to spend a lot of time on it. Well, now you now you got me kind of excited because now I want to clue the listeners in on the fruits of your musical labor and I want them to see uh, I want them to experience I should say hear uh, what can come out of a great you know great uh, studio experience from a great band. So with your uh, okay, we would love to play uh, cool cool water which just won the IMA for Folk Song of the Year. And uh, we're going to play that right now for everybody, uh, right here on the Break the Business podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Yay. Sitting on the banks of the Magnolia River Trying to figure out which way I get head upstream to the cool, cool springs Find the bottom of the bottomless cold Heave a head downstream on this winding river I'll eventually end up in warm weeks bay Who's to say which way Decisions might at the end of the day.
But you know that ain't the way that I'm wired I will follow my heart through the shadows in the dark Cause the sun will shine on my back someday That was Cool Cool Water off of the Crickets' debut album, Spanish Ma Sirens, here on the Break the Business podcast. Thank oh, that's you. such a beautiful song, dude. Right? I love that song. I want to play the whole album. <laughs> I don't think we can, <laughs> I, but I would want to. Yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for letting us play that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Thank you. Oh, so, um, I'm so glad you got to hear it. Oh, it is our, uh, you know, I'll... I'm going to I'm going to reveal something about Dave here. So we've had lots of artists on this show and, you know, Dave has never outwardly said that he's disliked a group. But I've you know, it, but only a few of the artists he's really enjoyed. But this is a band that Dave loves. You're you're a crickets fan now. I am. I'm now a fan. I got to join the fan club. You you got Dave's seal of approval. That means something almost as much as the IMA, I would say, perhaps more. (laughs) It's monumental. It's monumental. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, well, this has been a treat. Before we let you go, one last question that we we ask all the guests we have on the show. Uh, do you have any last tips that you can share with the artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? I'll give you one that I think helped us a lot. Um, when we, okay, so we're just like any any normal indie musician band from a small place. We decided that that an album was even something we thought may occur. We did do a Kickstarter campaign for that, um, you know, for that cause. But we also, we put out a couple videos on Facebook as feelers to just see how people reacted. And that was, that was very helpful because it showed us, you know, the response people would give to the music when it was seen played live, which was really cool. But one, one thing we did that I think just really guided the success of that Kickstarter that gave us the resource to make the album um, and also gave us a real uh, thing to play for. It was a really beautiful cause to play for was we attached a charity to the Kickstarter and to the album. There's a, there's a fund called the Cricket Fund that we support and it, it provides mammograms and medical screenings to women in rural Florida that don't have insurance. Um, and it's named after a girl. We're named for a girl named Cricket Russell who passed away at 22 from uh, breast cancer. But because of because that charity was attached to it, it had such a, um, I, it's like a meaningful backing. People really got behind the cause. And I think I would say to anyone out there who would really venture to go do a Kickstarter or pledge music or whatever, if they have something they really believe in, um, to attach the cause to what they're doing. Because th- the end result of this is that we give a dollar for every album sold to that fund. Um, and that 
to me, I don't know, it helps us give back and it's just good karma. You're putting good stuff out into the world. But I would say that's a that's a tip I would I would give I would give someone new if they were if they were thinking about recording an album as an indie musician, that it, it just puts a whole new group of people in your court that you wouldn't have had. Wow. You you all are the right kind of people. Uh, and actually do you wanna do you have, what's the name and or do you have the information for that foundation again if people want to check it out? Absolutely. You can find it. Um, it's called the Cricket Fund and Beyond, and it supports all kinds of screenings for women in Florida. But uh, the Sacred Heart uh, Sacred Heart Hospital in Florida, in uh, the Panhandle of, Panhandle of Florida, there's several different branches of that hospital. But you can find any of the information on the Cricket Fund on their website. But um, but please, yeah, I mean, please check it out if it's a cause that means something to you. But, um, but it, it just, to me... I think that 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 was a major, it was a game changer for us, um, and I'm I'm glad we did it. Oh, for sure, Lauren, Melissa, Emily, Katrina, thank you all so much for your time. Get right back to that celebration in New York City. Congratulations on your success. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah, yeah, congratulations. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Appreciate it. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She is a singer-songwriter from Austin, Texas, who was rated the number one songwriter of distinction by Texas Music Magazine, an honor shared by artists such as Casey Musgraves and Leon Bridges. On May 1st, she released Back to Eden, an EP in which she collaborated with Hollywood writer-director Joss Whedon. You can check her out at www.shawneekilgore.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Shawnee Kilgore is on the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Shawnee, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, I am thrilled to have you. Um, there are so many things about your career that I want to talk about because you do so many things well. And I know my listeners who just heard my intro are saying, what? She collaborated with Joss Whedon? Talk to her about Joss Whedon, Joss Whedon. And we will. We will talk to her about Joss Whedon. Back off, listeners. Hang on. Because Shawnee is a terrific artist. She does a lot of cool things. And I want to get to a couple of those things first. So first question, Shawnee, what's Joss Whedon like? I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding, kidding. No, can you tell the He's listeners? Lame. No. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell the listeners a little bit about your sound if they're not familiar with your marvelous music? Oh, my sound. Well, um, I, I kind of, I call it folk Americana music and kind of what that means, uh, in terms of what I do, I finger pick a lot and I sing a lot of words. I really try to cram as many uh, into a song as possible. Um, but yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, guitar, finger picked, uh, truth, poetic uh, package, kind of. That's, that's what I go for. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I, that, that's, that's a really apt description. Like, that really captures, I think, like when I listen to your music, like, it, it, it is kind of a, cause I, I was trying to figure out how to best place your genre. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it is like a folk Americana fusion. I like that. Yeah. Uh, a constant theme we talk about on this podcast is this idea of hyper creation. And this is, I'm so excited to have you on for this reason, because the most successful artists out there in the new music industry are always the ones who can take advantage of today's modern technology to make and release as much new content as they can for their fans. It's cheaper than ever to make, distribute, promote, and to fund your music. And so the most successful artists are going to be the ones who can put out as much music as they can under those favorable circumstances. And you, Shawnee, are quite the hyper creator. You've been making a new song every week for over three years. How on earth do you stick to such a schedule? And can you talk a little bit about how the crowdfunding platform Patreon fits into all of that for you? Yeah, so, yeah, so over three years, I think it's December 2013, um, uh, I was asked to join um, an online songwriting group. It was gonna be a year-long challenge, so every week we would get an email 
that would have a song prompt on it and we would have to write the song and turn it back in, you know, by midnight, the, you know, a, a week later. Um, and if you didn't, you got kicked out of the group and, uh, Oh my and God. I, well, yeah. I mean, they had, you know, there was a little leniency, but, um, but yeah, but I really thought hard about that. You know, if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it fully. And, um, and I, I, so I, I said, yes, okay. Uh, and then just a couple months, I think into that, um, a different, um, one of my favorite singer songwriters in the world, um, asked me to be uh, a part of his group that was doing the same thing on, you know, so now I had like Sundays and Wednesdays. Um, so I was writing two songs a week and, um, I don't know, it was just, when you have to write a song, there's a deadline, you know, I would always wait till the last minute, of course. And then, um, it's, it's just very liberating in that way because it doesn't have to be good. You don't have time to censor. You don't have time to even think about it. You just have to make a song. And, um, and that was just extremely liberating to me. And when it's, you know, it's like a muscle and, uh, you know, at, over time it's like, okay, you no, know, I have an hour. I have to sit down and write a song. And, you know, and I just make it happen. And again, it didn't, doesn't have to be good. So, um, but, um, so actually I, I will admit the last two months, um, I really did have to, uh, take a break, but, um, so I did. Okay. So the Patreon thing, I started in on that. I was like, well, I'm already writing these songs. Like after the one group ended, the one was still going. And, um, so yeah. And I, I wanted people to hear them because they were there and they existed and they were just going into a, you know, dark, file on my computer not being heard by anyone so um yeah so i started to post them on patreon and it was a very interesting often i was in my you know pajamas recording these songs onto my iphone and you know five minutes later they're up there um, on the internet for people to hear and um and and it's awesome um but yeah the last two months i've i've I have taken a break from writing the brand new songs and I've been posting some of the older songs from, you know, from the two years before, <laughs> before I started the Patreon. So, um, I'm, I'm allowing my ego to be okay with the fact that I <laughs> needed to take a break for, for just a little bit on that. Well, so. you've been kind of sort of putting an EP out, but you know, but I have about a thousand follow-up questions. First of all, you've been so when when I when I read that you were writing a song a week, you weren't putting these out for a long time. You were just putting these in a drawer. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I would write them, I would send them to the group, and then you know, nine out of ten or nineteen out of twenty of them would, yeah, never. I would never, I never played them again. So, wow. and yeah. and so, how much do you attribute the success of you being able to hypercreate for so many years? to this group that you had? Is it sort of like you're more likely to go to the gym if you have a workout buddy that kind of keeps you accountable? Oh my God. Yeah. I can't say enough about that. Um, and I'm really itching. Like it's been like two months, I think since I've written, I just, I finally wrote a, a new song again this week. And I was like, I kind of feel like I forget how to do this. Um, but yeah, having, having a prompt or having someone to be accountable to, I mean, even if it's yourself, like give yourself a deadline, but we all probably know that that's not the most, you know, effective. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to let my group down for sure. And, uh, yeah. And my, my, my ego started to get really, really into it. And it was like, even if I wasn't turning it into the group, it's like, I have to finish. So, <laughs> and yeah. And, and so the way that this, um, this works with Patreon is your, your patrons can donate or pledge, you know, a certain, a certain amount of money for every song you put out each week. And then this gives them access to these songs you're putting out each week? Yeah. So yeah, I'm about to have in a couple more weeks, um, I'm going to be at week 100, um, on Patreon. So that means anyone who joins my Patreon now, yeah, gets access to everything I've ever posted on there, which I forget the exact number. It's something like 175 songs because I've been posting old bonus stuff. I've been posting some of the old like punk songs from my high school years. Um, Cause they have a, you know, Patreon does like bonuses and, and milestone goals and stuff too. So there's just, there's a ton of content up there that is literally nowhere else. <laughs> That's very, very cool. All right. Um, man, there's this hyper creation. Like you, you really, you really have it down to a science with this, uh, with this stuff, you know, oh you, you tie it to your crowdfunding, you have a group that you, you do it with. Uh, what happens when you're, you know, how do you like, cause I'm sure that there's plenty of weeks where you have 24 hours left or less 
to kind of get that song out. You know, what do you do to kind of just get that inspiration and, you know, write stuff quickly when you're under such a deadline? Do you have any sort of tricks to get yourself where you need to be? Um, oh gosh. I mean, aside from just saying force it out, I mean, that's literally what I do sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the having a prompt, having a phrase to work with has been really helpful for me because, you know, the words are in your head and then the words will form, you know, inevitably form some sort of rhythm, some sort of melody and just whatever the first spark is that comes, I just grab it and commit and, you know, and just run with it. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be good. I can't stress that enough. Um, if I made sure that I was sitting down to write a good song or a Timurota song, it would never ever happen. Well, yeah, but you know, I mean, this whole idea of this hyper creation club is just a a cool element of this. Uh, definitely more artists need to be getting to do that. All right. All right. All right. I can already hear the the Whedonites beating down my door. Okay, people, let's talk a bit, Shawnee, about your new EP that came out this month, Back to Eden, which you made with Hollywood writer, director, producer, Joss Whedon. Okay, 100 questions, but I got to pick only the best ones here because this this just inspires so many questions on my part. How on earth did you get to collaborating with Joss Whedon, and what's it been like to work with him? So I, um, so in 2014, um, I did my, my first Kickstarter campaign, my first and only Kickstarter campaign, um, for my last full length album. And, um, yeah, a couple weeks in, I got a pledge from Joss Whedon. I was like, I know that name. Wait, why, why do I know that name? Um, and, uh, yes, I had, I had, I asked my boyfriend he's like, no, you know, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer Avengers. I'm like, oh my God, that guy. Whoa. That's weird. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so, I, you know, I waited it out. And at the end of the campaign, um, his reward was a personalized song written for him. So I, you know, sent an email and said, thank you. And, you know, it was like, cool, how, you know, let's let's write a song. How do you want to do this? And um, so we started talking about that song and bounce some ideas back and forth. And um and I was working on that, and um, but you know, a few days later, a week later, um, he emailed and he said that the song from a Kickstarter video had gotten into his head, and it had spun off this other set of lyrics, and um, he wondered if I would want to put music to them because you know I helped inspire it, kind of thing. Um, and uh, you know, I'm like yes, yes, please. And um, so yeah, he sent the lyrics to Big Giant Me over, and yeah, like 24 hours later, he just I took a night, and the song just happened, and I sent it back, and he loved it, and um, yeah, and we figured, well, that was cool. Uh, you know, <laughs> let's let's maybe let people hear that somehow. How are we gonna do that? And um, yeah, and we just decided to keep going and and see what happened. Um, well, did Joss ever tell you how he came across you originally? Like, it was random. I, did he it Google was folk random. Americana he, and? <laughs> I I'm, I don't know. He he claims to have had a, a, a Kickstarter addiction. Um, you know, for for a short time, he was uh, filming the Avengers. He was often away from home in hotel rooms, and um, yeah, just went on a, a Kickstarter bender for a little while. So. <laughs> wow, and yeah. And so he collaborates you with collaborates with you on these with uh, songwriting. So what kind of songwriter is he like? Because frankly, when I was listening to these songs, I was surprised to hear this music with his name attached to it because it sounds so yeah. different than what I would have expected from the guy who directed the Avengers movies. Yeah, yeah, and he actually, I mean, he he is very musical, um, and he's done, you know, he's done some of the the musical the songs in Buffy, and he had the whole Doctor Horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, blog and all that um but yeah this was kind of his his first venture into getting um I mean everything that he writes is very personal but this you know this was like his name his words um so yeah this was this was kind of his first venture into you know actually singing about himself kind of and um yeah and I he I guess just heard my voice as a, as a, a comfortable, um, and inspiring, uh, you know, sort of, sort of path to, you know, to make those songs happen. So, wow. I mean, you, I would say you brought out a side of him that I did, don't think people knew about. 
mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's got to feel pretty impressive for you. It's, it, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting how, um, just how absolutely comfortable and organic, like our friendship and our relationship has been, you know, it's just since the very beginning, like I, you know, I, I was like, I, I should be so intimidated right now. I should be so like, <laughs> you know, insecure about what I'm doing. And it just was never, it was just never like that. He's just such a, such an amazing and humble human being. And, um, well, yeah, and, I, I really appreciated that and, about, about him. And in a way, like, I mean, the, the, despite his, fame in Hollywood, I imagine the power dynamic has to be at least a little more on your side because, you know, you've been making music for a long time. You've written a lot more than he has, you know, even though he is certainly, you know, a, a songwriter in his own right. So, I mean, yeah. a lot of it's sort of like, you know, I know you're the, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, box office bonanza Hollywood director, but let me sort of let you into my world and show you how it works. That's got to be crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was really sweet, you know, it was a very, um, I just, yeah, it was a very special thing to be, to be trusted with, um, those words and those feelings and, um, and, uh, generally how he, you know, big giant me was, he sent lyrics to me and then, um, you know, back to Eden was the same way he sent lyrics and two of the other songs happened that way as well. Um, and then, um, unforgiven was a bit more, he sent a, a chorus of him singing and playing on the piano and then we built from there, um, but yeah, it's, you know, just getting those words and, and just trying to hear, you know, he, hear what they sounded like and hear what that song was going to be. And, um, yeah. And, and apparently we were, we were really connected in that way because n none of those songs were, you know, I was like, okay, I hear it, you know, and I'd write it and send <laughs> it back, you know, gen generally within, within a couple days, um, but, yeah. So, so I mean, be, and because of where you guys were based, a lot of this collaboration is happening virtually, which is a way a lot of collaboration is happening in music these days. A lot of people are. Uh, yeah. You know, I didn't. I didn't know where he was most of the time. I didn't know <laughs> what time zone he was in, what country he was in. You know, it didn't matter. Um, um, but yeah, we we put out. Uh, we wrote Big Giant Me. We emailed all back and forth about how to put it out. Like I talked to his lawyer on the phone. I talked to his agent on the phone. Like I talked to everyone else on the phone, but him. And then we put big giant me out. And, uh, yeah, after it was, you know, after that, like, do you want to talk on the phone? Do you want to have a conversation? <laughs> um, so, wow. uh, yeah. So, and, and we didn't, we didn't meet until, you know, the next year or so. Wow. I imagine most of the listeners are so amazed and happy for you, but there's got to be at least a small minority that is somewhat bitter because they think that the reason why there isn't a new season of Firefly is because Joss is too busy working with you on albums. But Oh, that's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we would have had Infinity War by now if, she, if he wasn't working on this EP. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's oh god, that what a cool cool story. It 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 speaks to the power of crowdfunding and how, you know, the internet and the web has brought music collaboration, you know, on, on, you know, as as brought, you know, as ended geography and everybody can be in the same room even if you're on other sides of the world and you can make beautiful music with somebody no matter where they are on the planet, including Joss Whedon of all people. Um and now I want to play for the listeners the fruits of uh, the two of your labors. Uh, we have the title track of your EP that's out now, Back to Eden, and we're going to play it right now on the Break the Business podcast. Blackbird on the bar Picking cherries from a tin There's a scream of daylight Every time the door swings someone in There's a gleaming copper pool of warm Can wash away I ask where I 
And that was Back to Eden by Shawnee Kilgore and Joss Whedon here on the Break the Business podcast. Where can people find that EP? That EP is, um, I think, everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) Um, Definitely (laughs) iTunes, um, CD Baby, Bandcamp, Spotify. Um, There are probably 30 to 50 to 100 other sites that I'm not sure the names of, but, (laughs) but it is out there. And, and I'm sure after hearing that, you're going to have people who are going to be fans of you more than you had before. Where can people find you online to discover more about you? Um, well, www.shawneekilgore.com is good. Um, uh, if people want to check out the Patreon, that's um, patreon.com slash shawneekilgore. Um, and yeah, facebook.com, shawneekilgore music. Um I'm a huge fan of Instagram. Uh, I take pretty photos, um, and that is also Shawnee Kilgore. Um, great thing about having a, a, an unusual name is that is my that is my tag for for <laughs> everywhere. So, <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. And you know, as a fellow member of the Unusual Name Club, it's really nice to be able to get any 
you know, to get your Twitter handle without any difficulty or, you know, a website name without any difficulty. Finally, Shawnee, uh, last question. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? You know, there's a piece of advice I got. I don't know if it was advice, but um, something that I heard that I will remember for the rest of my life. Um, It almost sounds like anti-advice, but um, I was at a big music conference in L.A. You know, tons of people running around, people trying to show their best, learn all they can, um, you know, completely soul-sucking, overwhelming (laughs) Um place and time uh, for me to be in. And I was in the the last class of the day that I went to. Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name. It might be Michael Anderson. Um, But he said that he said that the world doesn't need another hit song and that the world needs your light. I was like, oh, my God. it It just struck so much. It just resonated with me so much. And it's such a fine line between creating things that people want and creating things that are the most genuine, um, you that you can put out there. Um, and yeah, I would just say, I guess, don't, don't ever lose sight of that light and try to nurture that as much as possible. And sometimes there will be the, you know, give people what they want, but, um, you know, but the most, I mean, the most genuine, amazing people out there are, um, yeah, you just, you have to be true to, to your voice and what you do, even if it doesn't feel as good as, you know, I mean, comparison is absolutely the, the killer of everything good <laughs> in the world. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, just let your, let your light shine. Beautiful. Shawnee, thank you so much for being on the show. Please don't be a stranger. We want to have you on again real soon. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been a pleasure.